Father, we want to thank you for Jesus this morning. We want to thank you for your mighty presence in our lives. Even that which is invisible to us on more occasions than one. We know that, Lord, you said that you will always be with us. Thank you that that manifestation that we seek from you of your presence becomes even more real in these days that we live in. That we might be able to understand that you, your words that you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to understand your word this morning. And thank you for the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus that will reveal it to us. We bless your holy name this morning. We thank you for what you're about to speak to us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We live in times that are so different to the times that we have experienced before. But it's not unusual in the history of mankind. And there have been worse times than this that have taken place in the history of mankind that have caused humanity to cry out to God and ask for the intervention of God. This morning I want to share a word with you about prophetic intervention. What does prophetic intervention mean? And when does it come into play? And why does it come into play? That's what we've got to understand. First thing you've got to remember is that God created everything, heaven and earth, and all that is in it, including you and me. And then God chooses who He wants to interact with and reveals Himself to them. And then He promises certain things to those people. And then He sends people out to reveal His goodness, His mercy, His love, His power. And then along the way God intervenes in the lives of people. And finally God completes the work He began because He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So if you look at the word in terms of why we need to do something when God is doing everything, you'll begin to understand that unless you call upon the name of the Lord, whether you are chosen or you are not chosen, whether you are in a good situation or a bad situation, unless you call on the name of the Lord, you will not receive intervention. I'm not talking about intercession. I'm talking about intervention. So intercession brings the intervention of God. And without the intervention of God, nothing can happen on earth or in heaven. Though things have been laid out, and prophetically speaking they are laid out, we as a body, we as a Christian, are called to call upon the name of the Lord. Because we understand that if He does not intervene in the affairs of men, 
that man will not be able to survive. So there's a difference between when God intervenes himself because he has already chosen to do so and then there is this time when we call upon the name of the Lord to intervene. Both have relevance in the prophetic because knowing that God has called you or called us or called a nation we are asking God to fulfill his promises. So if there is going to be an intervention of God in our current situation, we've got to find out what the promises of God are concerning our current situation. And whether what we are going through is prophetic in nature, and if so, then we need a prophetic intervention. Why must God intervene? Because these things are not just going to go away. Your life is not just going to get better by your efforts, by your education, by your investments, or by any other method that uh, we can think of in a worldly sense. It's not going to get better. You may get by. You may even make some money. You may even get by till the end of your life. But it's not going to get better in the sense of your spiritual relationship with God. And what God had purpose for you and for me, prophetically speaking, that we should receive, which we have not bothered to pay attention to. And so we miss out. And then if you go up to heaven and you say, God, but you know, I, I was waiting on you. He said, God might say to you, I was waiting on you. I was waiting on you to call upon my name. I was waiting for you to intercede. I was waiting for you to just whisper one word and I would have come in and I would have solved that situation for you. Now when we speak on a personal basis about the interventions of God and we pray and we intercede you know, and, and nothing happens, we need to sit back and we need to understand why God is not intervening in a situation. But then you see God intervening in a situation where nobody has asked for God to do that but He Himself is intervening because He has prophetically chosen to do so. Based on a promise, based on something He said to somebody. For example, Abraham. He said, Abraham, you will become the father of nations and then I will raise a people through you and they will go into captivity for 400 years and then I will come and set them free. Hallelujah! Right? A promise, a prophecy, a prophetic word to a man who was a heathen who comes and meets Jesus, meets God and then comes to know the living God and he believes the word, it is accounted to him for righteousness. Now he hasn't lived for 400 years to see the intervention of God but his seed has. Now they were in Egypt and in bondage and they were crying out to the Lord. God, please come and intervene. We are slaves to the Egyptians. You are a God of promise. You are our God. You are the God of God. We, we, we want you to come and intervene. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know how much you cry out to God and you ask Him to intervene. Maybe you do for yourself. 
You know, you can become very selfish when you just cry out only for yourself or you only cry out for your situation. We need to look into the prophetic. We need to look into what God has purposed by the scriptures to happen. And we need to understand what it is that God is saying to us in this hour through the Spirit so that we as a corporate body, a church, can intercede for His intervention. Amen? And when we pray righteously, when we pray the effective prayers of a righteous man, God answers. Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. And he prayed three years later and it started raining again. It was prophetic intervention because the land was going, the, the famine had set, people were killing each other, eating each other. They had no way out unless God did something. I am of the uh, absolute conviction that if we get a hold of this knowledge, if we can understand why God intervenes and that without God's intervention we do not stand chance in this world we will be better off we will be powerful we will become overcomers we will know exactly how to position ourselves and where to position ourselves for the intervention of God one day Jesus when he was on the earth he was just walking down the market street or wherever he was crowds of people around him and, and a woman with an issue of blood many 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 years issue of blood she had been to all the doctors she had spent all her money the shysters had taken her money now she was broke an issue of blood what is your issue today what is your issue today? He's saying, I'm desperate for you. Are you? Are you really desperate for God? Maybe we're sitting in a very comfortable position and we're saying, oh, I don't need God. I know I already have God. Yeah. Now I've met a lot of people like that. Don't tell me about God. I already have God. I know God. You know how many years of ministry I've got? You know how many miracle signs and wonders I've done? Do you know the countries I've traveled? Do you know? I know God. Nobody knows God like they should. Because God only reveals Himself as He wishes. And He always leaves us hungry and thirsty for that little bit more of knowledge of Him. So that we will seek Him. We must understand this. That woman with the issue of blood needed an interventionist. Because none of the other locals could help her. And she heard of the fame of Jesus. So she fought her way through the crowd. And she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be. It takes faith to demand of God that He come and He judges. 
Now, judges is not judgment as in condemnation. Judges as in a righteous judgment concerning a situation that you and I may be going through or a corporation of church may be going through or a nation may be going through and we need righteous judgment. We need God to speak into that situation. We need God to intervene in the world today because there is an issue. You think the issue is coronavirus? You're wrong. The issue is not coronavirus. The issue is the sin of the world that has separated us from God. Now we might be sitting pretty as Christians and saying, oh well I'm born again, you know, I, I'm going to heaven. I am, I am, I am, I am. But what about those people? What about those people? You know that in order for you to get saved, somebody prayed. Maybe thousands prayed, you don't even know. I don't know. I know my mother prayed for me for years and years ago. I know some others prayed for me. God intervened in this man's life. Save him from his wayward ways. And just at the point of death, just at the point of the issue of blood, her end had come. And if God did not intervene, something was going to happen and that was the demise of that person. And I'm telling you today, if we don't intercede for the intervention of God, something really bad is going to come to the earth. <coughs> There's something that's up, that are prophesied that we cannot change, but there are some things that we can. We need to know the difference. Because too many Christians are living like as though tomorrow is the sun is going to come up. I'm under no illusion. I'm under no illusion that I will get up in the morning. Every day I intervene, I'm sorry, I intercede for God's intervention so that my destiny could be fulfilled. My prophetic destiny must be fulfilled in good times or in bad times, I don't care. I must finish it. I must finish my course. The church has to finish its course. It cannot just depend on a word that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church when the church intercedes. Otherwise it has power. And that's why the church is where it is at today through sin and through false teachings and doctrines and laziness. You know, laziness and apathy is one of the biggest sins in the church. And God, God needs to come into the body of Christ today around the world and shake it up and say, listen. Willie sang a song, what's wrong with my people? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
That's the good question to ask. What's wrong with my people? The good part about intervention is that it's not all up to us. That's the good news. The prophetic interventions of God happen by His own design, by His own wisdom, by His own timing. At the appointed time, He will come into the situation. Psalm 18 is a beautiful psalm. You should go and read it. It's a psalm written by King David because God had delivered him from all his enemies. And in his great gratitude towards God, he wrote the psalm. But if you read the psalm, you will see that in the psalm is actually talking about Jesus. About how he was surrounded by his enemies and he was at the point of death. He was at the point of complete annihilation. And he cried out to God and God got out of his throne and he came down and hailed past because nobody could handle his coming down and he delivered his servants. A cry went from earth to heaven to God. Intervene because my enemies are too much for me. My enemies are too much for me. Maybe our minds, okay, harbor enemies that we have not been able to defeat for ages. And they are increasing upon us by not only what we have allowed into our mind, but by the circumstances of life that are upon us today. And so we cannot function. We cannot get up in the morning and be happy. We cannot get up in the morning and declare the glory of the Lord and sing a praise to His name and say, Lord, wow, you are the best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Yes. Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison, you know, bound in chains, and they're singing praises unto them. They didn't say intervene. They said praises unto the Lord. And God intervened and an earthquake came and shattered the whole place. And the prison doors opened and the prison and his prison guard and his family got saved that day. I don't know how many else got saved that day. If we do not pray with some gumption, are going to die and they're going into hell and they're never going to come out of it. You want a ministry? Pray. That is your ministry. We prayed, we prayed and we prayed. I raised prayer around the world and we prayed and I said, God, Think of your servant. Think of your servant. He served you. He's done this. He's done that. You know, he's your faithful servant. And prayed and prayed and prayed. And we raised prayer around the world for this man. He prayed. He had gotten COVID and 
he died two days in the morning, two days ago in the morning, four o'clock. What went wrong? His aide is asking me what went wrong. What are you going to say to your family members who ask you what went wrong? We need God, friends. Let's not assume we have it. Just because we get a nice feeling in the church, somebody gets healed, something else happens, we say we have God. I think there's more to God than that. Let's not diminish it. There's more to God than that. There's more to God than that. The whole purpose of us calling upon the name of the Lord. To come into earthly matters. Is to intervene. So that we can come out of the situation. And in 2 Chronicles 6.42 and Acts 13. 33 to 37. It talks about the mercies of God. God it actually refers to it as the sure mercies of David. I had to think about that. The sure mercies of David. Referring to Jesus. Imagine, okay, just imagine that you were chosen by God to go to the cross. And now, after years of doing miracles, signs and wonders and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, whatever it is, you find yourself in the garden of Gethsemane. It's not just going to be, you know, your sins. It's going to be the sins of the world. Past, present and future. A cup that you have to drink. Jesus knew how to pray. He left his disciples and he went aside. And he prayed. And you know what he prayed? He prayed the sure mercies of David. He prayed the sure mercies of David. Because they were prophetically spoken. He knew about them. It was written in the scriptures. And there's something written about you in the scriptures. That is prophetic. That you need to pray. So that you can fulfill the obligations you have toward God. Don't sit in your comfort chair 
and say you've arrived. Something has not been accomplished as yet. That's why you're still upon the earth. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? That the sure mercies of God are upon you because you haven't finished your task. It's not by the food you eat or the lifestyle you lead or by any other method that you are still on this planet Earth in good health or reasonably good health. <coughs> I need to I cried. I said, God, intervene. My heart, you know, they're going to cut me open. They want to put a new valve in. I cried. I interceded for myself. I cried out and I cried out and I cried out. And I said, God, my destiny is not over. My prophetic destiny is not over. I want to get out of this. It help me get out of this that I can prove to the world that you are the healer. And he said this to me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, what does that mean, Lord? Silence. Silence. I don't have to talk to you anymore, son. My grace is sufficient for you. I don't know who we think we are dealing with. Mm -hmm. I think some of us have a very clear kind of relationship with Jesus. But in path. No, my friends. Apostle John had an intimate relationship with Jesus when Jesus was upon the earth. He, no other disciple had a close, as close a relationship as Apostle John to the extent that he could lie on the bosom of Jesus. He had the guts to lie on the bosom of Jesus. Whereas Apostle Peter, you know, threw himself into the water from the boat and said, I'm a filthy man, move away from me. He saw his own filth. Apostle John didn't. Apostle John was able to lie on the bosom of Jesus. He didn't feel condemnation. But a day came for Apostle John when God, the Lord Jesus, began to speak to him as the Alpha and the Omega. And he fell down like dead. And no more was that glib relationship there. Beloved, beloved man of God, but now on the floor like dead. And Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, began to speak certain things into the realm of the Spirit so that we could appropriate what is coming to the earth and Apostle John was commissioned to write it down so that you and I could pray. So that you and I could position ourselves in the place that God wants us to be, that we might be a force in the last days to fulfill the prophetic utterances of God that He has given us in the Scriptures. And now we are interceding 
Our souls are crying out. Our spirits are crying out for the intervention of God. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands are dying, not just of COVID. They're dying of so many other sicknesses and diseases. I have a long list from my friend in India. He said, this is what we're praying for. They're on that list, at least three or four people were waiting for amputation of their legs. I said, why, why, what am I inter interceding for? An individual? Do I intercede for an individual? Or do I intercede for something bigger than an individual? God had promised Israel that he would deliver them from Egypt and send a man called Moses. God promised that he would deliver us from sin and Satan and he sent us Jesus. Intervened. He intervened in men's affairs. Had he not, had Jesus not come, none of us would be saved. Past, present and future, including Israel. Ephesians 1.10 uh, tells us that he, God is going to culminate everything in Jesus. Past, present and future. Nothing would have happened. Had Jesus not come, had Jesus not gone to the cross, had Jesus not arisen. Prophetic intervention took place, but prophetic intercession took place before that. God always gets people to pray before he does something. Prophetic intervention by God in men's affairs is pre-designed by God. There is a time, there's an appointed time when he will show up. So he sends Gabriel to Mary and he says to her, listen, you're going to be pregnant with Jesus. <laughs> she says, what? I don't even know a man. Now you're going to carry my son Jesus and he's going to be the savior of the world. Apostle Saul, uh, Paul was known as Saul on the way to Damascus. To, to persecute the church. Intervention by God. Hit him. Hit the ground. He said, Lord, who are you? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Why did God intervene? Why did he stop Apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time? So the church would grow, so the church would not receive persecution. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you right now, prophetically, the church is going to receive persecution like never before. Mm -hmm. And if you don't intercede and ask God to intervene, it's going to be much worse than what really is. And you are the church, that means you will be persecuted. God can intervene anytime He wants. He doesn't have to have prayer for Him to do that. He can do it sovereignly. He can do it anytime He wants. But He chooses to have prayer. He chooses to have people come in and pray and intercede for the sake of some intervention that we need. And we need to be specific about the kind of intervention we want God to bring. Let's have a look at James chapter 5.
17 and 18. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth the fruit. We need to pray for spiritual rain. Somebody has blocked it up. Some Satanists somewhere have prayed harder than the church has prayed and blocked up the spiritual ring. How can, how can 200 to 300 million Chinese come to the Lord under communism whilst the gospel was not allowed to be preached? You answer me that. You answer me that. And yet in this country, right, we cannot even get one soul saved. Two hundred to three hundred million people come to the Lord because some people in China decide that they're going to believe God, that they're going to sacrifice their lives, and they cry out day and night unto God and said, intervene, otherwise China will no longer be a place that you can save anybody from. And through thick and thin, through prison, through torture, through death, through all the difficulties of crying out unto the Lord and being a Christian in a dark country, 200 to 300 million born-again Christians are there in China. Over a period of 20 to 30 years, maybe more. Why, why didn't God intervene before? Doesn't he care? Doesn't, I mean, doesn't God care about people dying and going to hell? That's a good question. People ask me that. If there is a God, why does he care? If he created us, why doesn't he save us? As though we were not the cause of the problem. That in some way we are more righteous than others, that we need to be saved. That some of the things that we have done, or the demeanor or the character that uh, exists in us is somewhat more righteous. Than somebody else. We know that even though we are born again Christians, that if God did not intervene in our lives along life's journey, we too could have died. A woman is driving back from a meeting in America with her daughter or somebody comes to a crossroads in her vehicle and goes through the crossroads and then she looks out through her window, the side window and she sees a van like a, like a truck coming down, bearing down upon her vehicle. There is no, no way, there is absolutely no way that she was going to escape that accident. 
and both she and that person, the passenger, were going to die in that accident. All this in a split second, she can see. There's nothing she can do. She can't go faster, she can't stop. There's nothing she can do, it's too late. And that man goes through her car and does not touch any of them and goes on to the other side. If God does not intervene, it's too late. They are plotting, they are plotting, they are hatching, they are scheming, they are conspiring to destroy us one way or another. Because they worship a different God. We need God. We need God. We need Him to intervene. We have not fulfilled our destiny as a church. There's no way that you and I have fulfilled our destiny on this earth. And neither has this local body or the body of Christ around the world fulfilled its destiny as yet. Many are waiting for rapture. Many are waiting for God to do something and say, God, intervene. I'm, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, intervene. Shorten the days for the sake of the elect. I'm praying that. What does that mean? I don't know. Does it mean tomorrow? Does it mean 10 years from now? But I tell you what, I'm gearing myself and I'm preparing myself and I'm positioning myself for what may come. But I'm intervening and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm interceding for God's intervention in man's affairs. Prophetic intervention is about knowing the times and knowing the people and the destiny of the church, local and worldwide. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I come to you and I intervene in your lives. You don't know it most of the time, and some of the times, quite a lot of the times, when I do intervene, people leave the church. So who are you to come and tell me that? They don't like it. But I know I have a commission from the Lord. When He sent me here, He said, intervene. I said, for what? In the Southwest Corridor, He said, intervene. Go there and do what I tell you to do because I'm sending you. God's waiting for you to send you to intervene in some situation. It's going to cost you. It's going to you're going to cop it. You're going to cop it because the demons don't like you intervening. You see, you cannot simply achieve something by prayer. 
Let me get this straight with you. God has intercessors and God has intercessors who pray for people to do something. You have to do something. You have to get out there and stand in the gap and do something. If you don't intervene in the life of your child, that child is going down. If you don't tell that child that what he or she is doing wrong, that child will keep doing whatever they want to do. And they're going down. The same with us. We have to know. I see some people, they call, their destinies are great, their calling is great, their gifting is great, you know, and I'm intervening. I'm going and I'm doing something about it. I'm creating scenarios and situations for them to come out of where they are so that they can become who God called them to be and blossom and do well. That's the function of the pastor. That's, that's why he's there. He's not just a pretty face sitting around doing nothing. You know, if Jesus is not an intercessor who does not do anything, he's not just Hebrews 7.25, forever intercedes before God. No, he's also a doer. Because what he he's interceding for with God, God is saying, you go and do. Because I'm giving you the commission, I'm giving you the license, and I'm giving you the authority, go and do it. So he comes. He comes into the place. He's physically manifesting his presence with people who intercede and cry out desperately for him to come. He comes. Nothing stops him. So he knows who's crying out. He knows who he has chosen. He knows on whom he has placed a mantle. And he knows what the devil is trying to do that. Do to that mantle. He knows. The difference between prophetic intervention and when we cry out for God to intervene is that God does it of his own sovereign. Let me tell you this. God always looks after His own. Isn't that wonderful? We make mistakes, we sin, we, we do silly things. But God always looks after His own. And He comes and He says, come, come, come to me, come back to me. I need you, I want you, I love you. Come back to me. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 27, and we see this incredible move of God. The incredible move of God. Acts 2.
That's speaking at 25. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Here's the key. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. <clears throat> Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. He was in no way going to let his word suffer in hell and remain there for eternity. God intervened. God intervened on the cross and said, you can kill the body, but you can't kill the spirit. You can kill the body, but you can't kill the spirit. Because the spirit that I put in you will never die. Will always be with you. Is always my spirit. My spirit never dies. You will never see hell. If you believe in Jesus, you will never see death. Forget about hell. You will not see death. You know, death is not the physical death we're talking about. Death is a totally different entity. It's not even the devil. It's not evil. Death is a separate entity. It has a separate power. It has a separate identity. You will not see it. You will not see it. If you believe in Jesus. When you close your eyes to die physically. And your spiritual eyes open. You will see Jesus. He looks after his own. He looks after his own. That is prophetic intervention. He says, on the day that you die, and if you have been praying, you won't die before your time, you'll die at your appointed time. I prayed for a cancer patient over here, I won't mention his name. He said to me, I want to live five years. I said, okay, let's pray. He got healed. He could eat what he could not eat before. He was okay, he was fine for a few days. He got a regression. Then it became worse again. Prayed for him again. He was okay and kept going. But you know, that day when I met him for the first time, he was a Catholic. I said to him, you need to get saved. I said, you need to meet Jesus. He said, yeah, I know Jesus. And I explained to him, he was a listener. 80 years, he's done everything in his life. Well financed, good man. He met Jesus that day. Something happened to that man. He met Jesus that day. He said, I know Jesus now. He said, nobody need to tell me, I know Jesus now. He didn't last for more than a month after that, maybe a month and a half. And then he turned around and he said to his family, leave me alone. I'm ready to go home. Wow. I said, God, 
What kind of love and encounter is that? What kind of love and encounter is that? You know, you're going to see Jesus. And Jesus is going to take you to the Father. And how much of the Father you will see and I will see, I don't know. But we will see the Father in Jesus. That's where he resides. The full Godhead resides in Jesus. The full Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit reside in Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see the image of God. That's the only time you'll ever see an image of God. Is when you see Jesus. That is why he came. He is the interventionist. He is the one who is interceding for us. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of men and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. That is my commission to you, church. And do not fear, nothing by any means shall harm you. But boy, sure do they come to attack. They sure come to attack and take away what is our joy and our peace. And I cry out unto the Lord and I say, God, you must intervene according to your promise to me. A man was dying in the Himalayas, a man of God. And God had shown him all his life of what he was going to do. And you know, in the Himalayas, when you don't cover yourself properly, the fluids in your body freeze and you die an excruciating death with full of pain that nobody can do anything for you, even if they get you to a hospital. So if you don't cover your head, the fluid in your head, in your brain freezes. If you don't cover your body, your, your, your fluid in your lungs freeze. Your body freeze. And you die excruciatingly, painfully. And he got it. Because one day he did not cover himself properly. And he was dying. And he cried out unto the Lord. And he said, Lord, my destiny is not over what you showed me. So if you want to change that, that's fine. I'm ready to come home. But let me remind you, what you promised, you have not fulfilled. Instantly healed. Instantly healed. God works on the promises of God. He intervenes on the promises of God. He will intervene in your life and you will partake of the divine nature of Christ through the promises of God. Get a hold of the promise and say, God, now intervene, not only for me, not only for the local body of Calvary Assembly, not only for the Southwest Corridor, not only for Australia, but for the world, and give us what you promised. What did he promise? What did he promise? Do you even know what he promised? 
Do you even care? We have to search the scriptures. I know I have to. I know after I did this message, I have to search the scriptures even more now. Don't wait. Ask God to press it for the breakthrough you need. And ask God to reveal it. You are destined, my friends. I don't care who you are, where your maturity is, or what your problems are. Take the problems and throw it in the garbage bin. That's where they belong. Okay? Just pick it and throw it in the garbage bin. Moses never did anything wrong, but he suffered along with the millions of Jews in the wilderness. He had enough reason to say, yeah, I'm out of here. And when God gave him an opportunity and said, I'll wipe all these people out and I'll start a new generation through you. He said, no, 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 no. What will the nations of the world say that you came and brought them out of Egypt and then you are now going to destroy them? No, the shame will be upon you. Don't. I'm standing in the gap for them. I'm repenting for them. I'm calling out your name for them. Think of your name. Can you talk to God like that? You need to. You need to. You need to remind him. He says, and his prayers came up for a remembrance unto the Lord. And they opened the book of remembrance to look into it of all the good deeds that you have done. That you might receive a blessing. You might receive a prophetic intervention. Let us call on the name of the Lord today. So that he will intercede. You know this morning. I didn't plan to do that. That was the Holy Spirit. Because when you do something like that. As a pastor of the church. You bring a power of darkness. An atmosphere of foreboding. And it's hard to worship in that. But the intention was not that. The Holy Spirit was grieving. The Holy Spirit was crying out for these souls who no longer worship in the church, the body of Christ. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about oneness. I'm talking about understanding why God brought us together. Amen. And unless we stand together, unless we stand united, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. That's why Jesus prayed in John 17. Father, I pray that they be one, just as you and I are one. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you are able to lead us into all truth. You are able to convict us by your Holy Spirit of the righteous things that you want us to know and understand. And I pray for your people, including myself, that Lord, we will be a people Position to pray and declare the prophetic into being that you might intervene in the affairs of man and you might save this world from absolute annihilation and you will save many, you will save many. 
Thank you for all those who are praying and interceding around the world. We thank you for those who are doing, those who are willing to put their hands out to the plow. Bless each one. Bless us to go on with your glory. Thank you for all the attacks of the enemy, the trials and the tribulations that come against us because it is making us stronger. We know that we will not fail you because you will not fail us. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Be with us, cover us under the blood, and be with us throughout this day. Speak to us. Let the Rima words, let the revelation of Christ keep coming to us more and more each day, each moment of the day. That we might envelop ourselves in your love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.